0: Those of you online who can't see that, count count your blessings. So, uh, <clears throat> let me get my clock out here, and we will try to end on time. I think we can this morning. We've got we've got a lot of um, scriptures to look at, and I don't necessarily expect you to. Jump to all of them. I may have, I will have us turn to a a couple of them, but uh, you can just write them down if you want. But uh, the notes are the same. Um, I was debating moving on in the text because we did get through this. It was kind of a jet tour last Sunday. We did get through this text, Uh, but there were some other things that I had in my notes last Sunday that uh, we didn't get to. And I thought it would be good to go through that because um, it's really kind of boils down to application. <clears throat> we got through the text to see what Jesus was saying in the context there, in the cultural context to the Jews about being freed from, from uh, slavery to sin and what that meant for them particularly, okay? What we didn't get to last time as as well uh is how does this apply to us right the scriptures are not just uh you when you approach the bible you need to to understand what it's saying to the audience that's being written to but then the application comes out of that how it speaks to us right and that's very very important to to uh to do that otherwise you know you're just learning facts i mean that's This morning, we had a really, really great um, uh, setup for this, actually, uh, with John continuing in Isaiah 53. But he was talking about the whole background of the Jewish, the grand sweep of the Jewish nation from their inception uh, through all the years of persecution and and nations that have tried to stamp them out, you know, um, and also the devil as well. That's pictured very well. He didn't touch on this, but it's pictured very well, by the way, in Revelation of that uh, sort of um, icon, almost like a a constellation in the sky that's sort of there. It's a picture, a vision that John sees of this woman who is about to give birth. You remember this? And the dragon wants to snatch the child and can't do that, so he's pursuing the woman. And that's very clearly sort of almost like a i'm like a poster that sort of just captures the whole history of the nation itself you know the nation is nation israel uh the means by which the messiah was brought into the human race and satan has been doing all that he can to try to stop and thwart that plan by destroying the nation distracting them whatever right anyway not to get too too down that line but um you can sit there, and you can learn, listen to that, and you can learn about the nation of Israel, the people, of the Jewish people school around today, and all these interesting facts, uh, and that's fine. But then, you know, there are, there are lessons there. Paul tells us that these things are written for our example, right? So all of these lessons, including what we're looking at in John, is not what, he's, what Jesus is saying to them about the, the religious system that they were locked into uh, at that time very much applies to us and that's what we want to look at today we want to just kind of take that uh, we'll review it real briefly but then i want us to look at some other scriptures that talk about the seriousness of sin in our own lives and how easy it is for us to be ensnared by it and trapped by it and when i say us i do mean us i'm not here saying y'all okay uh, me too uh, and I, as i grow I'm learning more and more of just how deceptive sin is and how easily pride just kind of comes in there and almost looks like the Holy Spirit at times, you know. And, and the next thing you know, you're distracted away from, from Christ and from where you really should be. And, and, you know, it's so easy. So we'll talk about that. Uh, anybody need notes this morning? I've got plenty of them here. Um, feel free if you if misplaced yours. That's fine. Yes. Nope. I got plenty, so I don't want to throw them away. Unless it's the ready. freedom
1: in the sun, right?
0: Freedom in the sun. Okay. Yep, that's looks like that. Everybody good? Mm-hmm. Okay. One. Well, I'm trying to share. Oh, time share. Who need it. Okay. On online, there we go. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Aaron. Aaron's trying to bring that up there for the folks online. Thank you. Unless you want to hold it up to the camera. No, it's, it's okay. I'm doing, juggling enough up here this morning. Thank you. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for, again, for this grand plan of salvation. Thank you that you have um, spared no expense to reconcile us and the nation Israel ultimately back to yourself. And we're reminded, you know, the more we study the scriptures and the more we take a look at the gospel such as we're going to today um, The more we realize that really salvation is not about us at all but about you and it's about you receiving the glory and you um, Putting your attributes Your love your grace your mercy your long-suffering your kindness uh, as well as your justice and your righteousness and the holy standard that you have for yourself and the expectation you have for all your created your, your creation created creatures. All of these things are put on display in the gospel and um, in, in, in an amazing way, and we realize. That we may have come to Christ because we recognized our sin and our desire to be free from that and to be made right before you, before we die. But the more we're here, we realize that, that there's been this plan all along. And that while we get to, to benefit in a huge way. From this, it really isn't about the benefits we receive, but about the glory that is due to you. And so I pray that that you would be honored, glorified in this. It's a tough topic because it hits home with us personally this morning. But I pray, but there's also some some really, really good words here as Jesus says, Therefore the Son will make you free. You'll be free indeed. And so we thank you for that, for the freedom that we have in the Son. Really, it's freedom to do what is right and to to serve you. And so um, help help us to understand this in these few minutes to apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Okay, so John uh, chapter 8, right? John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36 is where we are again today. Let me just read that as we get started. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, the son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has been this is remember that this is the fall of the year before the spring in which he will be crucified. This is the time of the, the Feast of Tabernacles, which is happens, okay? On our calendar, that's late Sept- September, late September, early October time frame. By spring, that is by late March, early April on our calendar, he will be crucified. So we're very much near the end of his public ministry, okay? He has had... Um, Many years of teaching them and and talking to them. And in the midst of all of that has come this, this message that he's not the Messiah that they were expecting. They were expecting a Messiah who was going to judge Rome and was going to judge all the other nations that has mistreated Israel throughout their history, right, as we saw this morning in Sunday school. Um, they weren't expecting a Messiah that would come and, and effectively tell them your religious system that you think makes you so right with God is way off base. Okay, Effectively judging that system. They also weren't expecting a Messiah that would come and tell them you're not good enough on your own and God the Father is going to judge your sin in me. Okay, So Jesus, they expected the Messiah to come and judge the Gentiles. He came actually and, and, and warned them of the coming judgment on their system. And then he himself was judged for the sins of his own people. That was not what they were expecting. And yet Jesus continues to warn them about it, pad warned them about it. And he continues in this passage to do that. That's the, that's the context. So that helps you to maybe to understand, because look at verse 33. When he says, um, you know, the truth the truth sets you free. Their response is a little weird, right? And when I first read this, I thought, wait a minute. How can you say we've never been bondage to anyone? We just this morning heard the history, right? I mean, it's not just Rome. They were they, they were in bondage to the Greeks before that. Alexander the Great, right? Conquered that whole part of the world. And and then even before that, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, blah blah blah. I mean, you know, to smaller or lesser smaller or greater degrees, they have had bondage their whole, you know. So how can they say that? And I th- I think the key there is an understanding. What they say at the beginning, we are offspring of Abraham and never been enslaved to anyone. And, and they understood that, uh, that Jesus was not necessarily talking about political enslavement, but, <clears throat> but spiritual. But even that is ridiculous in a, in, a, in a sense, because their history also not only was, were they politically enslaved at times by greater powers, but more importantly, and you've read enough of the Old Testament to know that whole cycle of spiritual enslavement, that they were, they were captured by the pagan gods around them all the time, right? Their whole history. So it is a very ridiculous statement to make. But what's interesting is that they are throwing off here, and it's easy for us to miss this, but this is an important <laughs> understanding in John. Remember, all the way back in chapter 3, but Nicodemus, Jesus addressed this issue that they're, that they're talking about right here. And that is they trusted in their lineage from Abraham as Abraham's lineage for their standing with God. That's weird to us. You know, that's why it's easy for us, I think, to miss that or misunderstand what they're trying to say or even what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus in chapter 3. You know, we, we, we love John 3, 16 and 17. What we don't understand is that that occurs in the middle of this larger message in which Jesus is saying to him, Nicodemus, it's not enough that you're a physical descendant of Abraham. You have to be born again. You need a new lineage, right? Okay. And, and in chapter five, it's the same kind of thing. And then here again in chapter eight. And so what they're saying is we're good with God because we're offspring of Abraham. How can you say you become free? We're part of that covenant.
1: Okay. Sometimes I'm sorry, we say that sometimes today that sometimes people think they can they can go to heaven or, or be saved on the t- coattails of somebody else. Exactly. It's an individual thing. It's an individual thing. You know, we have we, we all have loved ones that do, don't that are just shaking their fists at God and, and stuff like that, but we can't take a piece of our heart a piece of our salvation and give it to them as a morsel and then, then they say it's an individual thing so that's what I think they're saying too here is is they through that don't covenant they thought oh yeah so no, now because of all this you our in our ways that we had, we are yeah here we are But no, it's, it's an individual thing that's right that's
0: right that's right and they should have known better mm-hmm. I mean the text that ben- <clears throat> this morning was must- was one of the most important where god promises in the future i will take out your heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in there I, you're not good enough on your own or isaiah 53 6 right all we like sheep gone astray mm-hmm. we have this nature that goes astray jew and gentile both right but they missed all of that and they had developed this big religious system and that's exactly right rick that it was <clears throat> All, at the heart of all of it, what you're saying and what they're believing here and, and all of this, these religious systems, and this is important, what we're going to say here this morning because i applying this. At the heart of it is some form of human accomplishment. Some form of something I did or I'm lucky enough to be born into uh, or some combination of that or my affiliation with. A church or a synagogue or a temple or something, right, that, that, that gets me some points with God, okay? And I, what I'm going to submit to you this morning is, is, is talking about being freed from sin. This is what Jesus is effectively telling them is, look, you, you're in this system here, and you think that you're free, but in fact, you're a slave. And, and that is the real evil of this system, of ev- not just this, but of any religious system, even Christian systems or systems that, that, that have a cross on the outside of the building and, and claim Jesus as their leader or their example, whatever, right? The, the deception is that you are deceived into thinking that you are okay with God when, in fact, you are not and that's what he, you continue reading this chapter you will see where he they they keep wanting to try to say that point and he keeps saying no 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 well they they try to up it you know first we're sons of Abraham then we're sons of God mm-hmm. and then he says no you are sons of the devil your father your father the devil yes. you are you are sons of the devil you are following him and you don't realize that this religious system that you put so much faith in is actually run by the devil. That's what he's telling them. And your sin, your pride is blinding you to that and binding you to that system. That's what he's telling them. And that's what is applied to us because we are just as vulnerable to that. Okay. Um, So. And we talked about this last time, you know, where Jesus says, verse 34, truly, truly, that's amen, amen, you know. We usually say amen after the prayer or when somebody says something, you really, amen, you know, I really like that. Um, But what he's saying here is, you know, listen up, pay attention. Uh, What I'm about to say is very, very important. And then this is on your outline. This is points three, four, and five, okay? Thank you, Aaron. That looks great. Um, Points three, four, and five truisms, I I was, I put them down, I said truisms, okay, so what he's doing is he's making three true statements, boom, 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 okay, and these are factual statements that then form the basis for the discussion to come in the next verses, okay, so next time, Lord willing, we get together, we'll continue on with what he's going to say next, but these three uh, form this, these, these, if you want to, I call them truisms, but you know, uh, Proverbs or axioms. maybe, you know, this is established fact, okay? These are, mm-hmm. these are facts. And they wouldn't argue with, with these. Um, <clears throat> they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have to apply to Jesus. The last one, particularly where it says, uh, the Son will set you free, you'll be free indeed. Most translations capitalize that word, Son okay but that's English okay and that's the interpreters of our Bible um, kind of putting their own meaning into the text there and I, I, I don't disagree with that I do think that Jesus is applying this to himself I mean that's certainly the case but that really kind of is beside the point. The point is that, that he's trying to make there in truism number three is that when the son of the house the one who inherits the house uh, uh steps into the full rights and responsibilities of being the owner of the house, that person can then cancel the debt. <clears throat> That's the point he's trying to make. All right. So without belaboring these points, we made all these points last time. Um, but truism number one. Okay. This is in verse 34. Those practicing sin are slaves, are at slaves. Okay. Jesus says, truly, truly, uh, I say to you, whoever commits sin, is a slave to sin. That's law number 1 if you will, okay? That he's mentioned here. That that's a factual statement. It has no bearing on how you feel about your sin uh or anything, right? You know, I don't feel like I'm a slave, well, you are. If you continue to obey it, you are. All right? Paul picks up on this and this is one of the the texts we're going to look at here. <laughs> we're already running low on time. But um you can write this down and just listen, okay, because it will take a lot of time to, to flip over there. But Romans 6, 16 through 23, <clears throat> Paul says this. Actually, let's start with verse 15, okay? So Romans 6, 15 through 23. What then are we to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are the slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you were you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations for as for just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity, and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness. So now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, The fruit you get leads to sanctification, and it's in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul says here, he elaborated, you can really hear that, right? I mean, you're being set free from sin. So... The question I asked last Sunday, I don't know, if we, we touched on it quick, but it was a jet tour through it, but free from what? You know, we're not, we read that and, and we read what Jesus is saying there. Yeah, the Son will set you free, man, I'll be free. Yeah, I'm free. Okay. But freed from what? Freed from what to do what? Right. And, and I'm going to tell you that real freedom is not the freedom to do what you want but to do what is right. That's what Paul is saying here in Romans. Okay. And, and think about it. Even and it, Paul says right here, even there, he's like, I'm speaking in human terms so you can understand these spiritual truth. Okay. And that's, that's, he's not insulting them. He's just, just like we would, you know, um, e- e- even, even in our culture today, think about this. Okay. We have American flag over here. Right. And, and, the flag still stands for freedom. freedom, right? We love to brag about our freedom as Americans. And, and we can be thankful for that. There have been a lot of people that have died to provide our freedom. But as an American, what am I free from and what am I free to? Freed from what? Freed from... An overbearing government, government yeah. you know, we're giving away our freedoms. You hear People say that a lot, and, and I think that, I think we're very much in danger of that. We, it was interesting. We just can't got through COVID. We saw how fast we can lose our freedoms, mm-hmm. constitutional freedoms that we we thought we had the right to constitutionally to to uh, freedom of religion, the freedom of meeting together, freedom of the press, freedom of speech. Uh, we live in cancel culture today, where if they don't like what you say, you know, you're effectively shut down and, and barred and, from. From social medias, you can you can be, um, that type of thing. Um, so freedom is a tricky thing. And I think a lot of people get confused about that, but think about it on a, a, as Americans. The freedom you have as Americans doesn't mean to just freedom to do what you want, but the freedom to what? Do what is right. And, that, and, and so even, even as Americans, that's why we put such a high value on the law, because the law defines what is right. Without law, there is no freedom. you understand that?
1: We're seeing that. We're
0: seeing that. We're seeing that. Mm-hmm. If we say, well, the police are the problem, or the law is the problem, really, the police are just there to enforce the law. When you when you say they're the problem, what you're really saying is the system that they're there to enforce, law enforcement, mm-hmm. okay, is, is where the problem is. So we just need to discard the law, and everybody will be happy. Wrong. They were it's precisely it. the opposite. All right, and, and we're, we're dumb enough or we don't know enough history to learn that other nations that have tried that have failed and found out that freedom, real freedom, is the freedom to do what is right, uh, not what you want. Okay, that makes sense.
1: Yeah, Aaron sits yeah. down in my the class, they give them, what rules and a syllabus. Yeah, right. So if the teacher didn't do that, you just sit down in the class and well,
0: I don't know. That's right, float. I don't know <laughs> that's that's right. In any context, big or small, your job, same way, right? If everybody's just doing whatever they want, they show up and they expect a paycheck. Nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get done. You're not accomplishing anything, you know, right? I mean, parents, same thing. If you you have no rules or structure in your home, your child is miserable, you're miserable, everybody's miserable, right? But the law comes in and establishes boundaries. Here's what's right. And as long as you're doing what's right, you're going to have freedom. But you start disobeying that and and we're gonna we're gonna be restricting that freedom privilege is gonna be taken away pains coming right in, in our culture you know in our society we literally restrict people's in some cases if it is bad enough we'll put you in jail to take away your freedom to just live how you want right all right so so freedom that's that's principle one here Paul's talking about that in Romans Um There And then uh, there's another text here. Let me be sure I'm looking at the right one here. The next one is Titus chapter 3. Okay. And we read this one last time, so don't belabor this. But um, let's start with verse 1. It's 3-3 is really the main verse, but uh, you're just writing it down. Again, just listen. Okay. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. Ooh, you know what we just said? Okay. To be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Notice that slaves to various passions and pleasures passing our days in malice and envy hated and hated by others and hating one another okay and i read that last time as a as a very apt description of of even our culture today i mean there's there's so much hate and what what's ironic is everybody thinks that they have the solution, right, you know, um, and and, and racism is a big, big topic, right, so, so, uh, but there's also others as well, feminism, homophobia, and all these things, well, if you disagree, then you hate other people, Uh, and so we think that by hating those who hate, that somehow that's going to equal love or something, And, and what's actually happening is, is we have more and more of that description, which I really like, hating and being hated, you know, that's, That's the description of people outside of Christ. Why are they that way? Here's the main point. Because they are slaves to sin. You obey sin. What is sin? We get a clue here. We got a clue from from Paul there in Romans as well. It's those passions, those things. We've lost sight of this, and the church needs to bring this back in in our teaching. Uh, from generations ago, they used to talk, pastors, used, preachers used to talk more about the appetites. You heard that? What's Today we say, you know, somebody comes over, like we had a, a barbecue yesterday at Cookout, you know, and, then, and if you invite somebody over and you're you're providing all the food, just, well, what can I bring? Just bring your appetite, right? Just bring your appetite, right? Well, usually we apply that word appetite to, to food, Okay. But in its, in its accurate sense, it's not just food, um, but it is, and my phone's making a bunch of records. So, okay. um, it's anything, okay? So an appetite, another appetite that we have is sex, okay? God's built in natural desires for that, okay? He's also built in natural desires for rest. Rest is another appetite, okay? Uh, the desire, the appetite for accomplishment, all right, or work so that you get things done. These are are natural appetites, but any of them, okay, food included, can be taken to an extreme and become, rather than a, a great servant, can become a terrible and tyrannical master that rules you, okay, and probably one of the most clear examples of that, maybe this is why it's so prominent in In some parts of Scripture and so forth is is the issue of of sex, right? If if you do not restrain that desire according to what God says it should be, it will begin to control you. And like a probably the best illustration comes out of Proverbs. Proverbs uses that illustration of of can can a can a young can a person scoop fire into their lap and not be burned, right? As, as an illustration of can a young man flirt with a, a, a woman that he's not married to, a promiscuous woman, and, and kind of walk the edge and think I'm okay and everything's okay and not be pulled into that temptation, okay, and eventually give into it. And it's a beautiful illustration because fire itself is a wonderful servant, right? I have at my house a furnace that runs on propane. And when that thing kicks in in the wintertime, one of the, one of the best sounds in the house, if, if it's getting a little cool in the house, I'll, sometimes I'll open the door and I'll listen down there and I hear this, and I can hear a little fan, internal fan kicking in, and then I hear this, you know, I can hear those two burners, big burners, igniting, and that means, we have heat <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's good it's not good when i can hear the fan running or i hear the pump running 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 and the temperature of the house is getting down to 68 67 and i know i've got something I, you know i usually know what to do yeah anyway, point is when that fire starts down there in the basement that's wonderful because it's controlled it's a servant it's you see what i'm saying? But if there's a leak and that gas comes out and suddenly the fire is out of control, now it's a terrible and tyrannical master. See, and it's the same with all of these passions, all of these appetites. Eating is another one we teased about that, but you know, gluttony is a sin. Gluttony is a sin. And if you're not, if you're not checking that, if you're just eating what you want and you're eating past being satisfied just simply because I go, oh, man, I can, you know, I'm talking about, you know, we, she's, I think, still doesn't have her taste back yet with COVID. I, I lost my taste for many months there, too, and that, that's terrible, you know, but I realized, one of the things I realized was how tempting, especially when you really like something, to go back for seconds, you know, I don't I really need, need that. But, you know, and we joke about it, and it's one of the easier and sins and we look past hard. in the church, you know, being hurt, being hurt. Part of, the, part of the fruit of the spirit is what? Self-control. Okay. And I'm preaching All right. So so food, uh, all those things, another one work, right? You can you can avoid. You can't. And you can and you can um, um, uh, work to the neglect of, of other responsibilities and having a, a balance in your life. You know, God commanded one, the Israelites one day of the week to not work. In other words, not they took it to the other extreme of not well, What can I do? You know, it's it basically means don't just make this another day of regular work. I mean, there are things you can do, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's another day for, for rest, right? And worship. Rest can also be taken. The desire to sleep is a natural desire, but it was taken to the extreme. What happens?
1: Don't get anything
0: done. Don't get anything done. Laziness kicks in. Procrastination. All of those things, right? Those passions. is what this is talking about. So when Jesus says, and Paul says as well, you are a slave to whatever you obey, take an inventory of your life and see where might my desires be out of balance. Like that fire that's raging in my basement and I better get it under control quick before the whole house is consumed. If you don't keep those passions in check all the time, they will start to grow and take over other areas of your life and the next thing you know, you're lopsided and you're distracted and you're running down a rabbit trail and, and, then, and then you have your anxiety and your anger and you're just a grouch and you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah, what, what, what happened here? Sin. Sin. You're, you're listening to something you shouldn't be listening and you're obeying or you shouldn't obey. That's what's happening. Okay. All right. One more passage. Quickly, uh, First or Second Peter, he talks about the same thing. Second Peter two fourteen. There, if I can read my handwriting. Second Peter two fourteen. They have eyes full of adultery, insatiable for sin. They entice unsteady souls. They have hearts trained in greed. Um, did I get that right? Yeah. And maybe 219. Let's see here. Yeah, 219. Although that, that does fit, okay. He's describing these these um, false teachers, okay, but it kind of sums up in verse 19. Sorry about that. Second Peter 219. They promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Whatever overcomes a person to he is enslaved. What's interesting about all three of these passages and what Jesus is saying is that there's only two choices. And I think this is, this is the, if there's any deception of sin that you can point to and say, man, that's the greatest deception, the greatest deception I'm convinced more and more is this, that there's a third option. And I'm in that third option. I'm not really a slave to sin, you know, but I'm not really serving God either. I'm just kind of living my life, right? But I, I, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see sin in other people so well, right? I mean, I really can see that. Now, boy, all you need to do is go online and read comments of anything any news article any youtube video and you'll see real quick how how people are just love to point out the sins of others right mm-hmm. and everybody else is you know i'm not as bad as those people over there who are guilty of whatever it is right that i'm condemning as if you yourself are not a slave of sin in it maybe a different area maybe you're got that area but there's another area That you're a slave of if you're not Jesus' slave. If you're not the slave of righteousness, as Paul said in in Romans 6, okay? All right. (sighs) Wow. Okay. Um, Back to John real quick, and we'll wrap this up here. Freed from what? Okay, so the slave does not truly, truly, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. That idea of committing there doesn't just mean I commit every so often. It's a habitual lifestyle of sin. That's what that means in the, in the original text. And that, you know, all the passages we looked at, same thing, same idea, All right. Truth number two, angst number two, truism number two is 35. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. This the idea here is the slave owes the house, right? You, The slave is a slave because there's a debt there to be paid. Okay, But the son is free. The son owns the house. Okay? The son owns the house. Um, <clears throat> all that the father, the father is giving to Jesus a kingdom. This kingdom will be the, re- ultimately, in its final state, will be the restored creation a whole universe will be cleansed of the effects of sin right and, and restored to what god intended and probably even better in, in the future state the sun owes owns all of that and then we have truism number three which is the Son has the authority to free the slave cancel the debt the Son actually um pays the debt for the slaves of sin. That's what's happening here. Uh, and you and, and, and how does that happen? By coming to him, believing him, and, and, and becoming literally his slave instead of the slave of sin. You see that? It's not that, again, there's no third option. There's no, well, I'm just, I'm my own person. No, you're serving something. You're serving something. question is, what is it? What is it? And that's the point. All right. We all know this. Just, just, just a quick thing. Hebrews eleven twenty five talks about Moses said no to the pleasures of sin for a season. Right. This is where sin becomes. It, it deceives you into thinking that you're 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 okay. There there aren't the consequences coming. That well, they came for somebody. Out, my neighbor yesterday. We had this little barbecue, right, and we're talking. and his daughter is in her mid thirties, approaching 40, something. Well, she's taking up smoking again. He was talking about that. He was just like, he didn't smoke. His mom didn't smoke. Her mom smoked. But anyway, so she, he's like, I'm telling her, Laura, you stop, stop. You know, you, why are you doing this to yourself? How many, I mean, on your pack of cigarettes, serves a general warning, right? I mean, by this point. Everybody knows what's the what's the consequences of constant smoking, right? It's gonna it's gonna affect you in in a negative way somehow some way. But but somehow we lie to ourselves and think oh well it, it really that person may have died of lung cancer but not me. It happens to other people but not me. It happens to others but not me. Galatians six seven and eight has something to say about that. Doesn't it? Do not be fooled. God is a fool. You're the one who's going to be made a fool of, not him. Whatever you sow, what? Yeah. There's no exception. No exception. You're not the exception. I'm not the exception. Everybody is there. So sin is pleasurable and it's fun for a while. And that's the deception of it. And the, what the gospel is, is Jesus didn't die to, to save you from sin, He died to save you from its consequences. Particularly the wrath of God not necessarily consequences in this life if you if you're you can be a believer in smoke And suffer the consequences from that you can be a believer in overeat and suffer the consequences from that you can be a believer And sin sexually and 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 suffer the consequences of that, okay Jesus died to save us from the eternal wrath of God And he sets us free from that But he also is here to set us free now from the power The power of sin you know, um, it, it's freed from, we're freed from the power, ultimately we'll be freed from the presence of sin. All right. Um, there's more more text here, but we're done. You guys get the point.
1: Uh, Can I say something? Sure, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know which one it was, one of John, John McCarkey's, I listened to it on Mo and stuff like that, and, and one of them said, one of his last sessions said something that really stuck in my mind, and, and I'm, I'm bad that I have not tried it, but it made a lot of sense. He said, we are so weak to sin. He said, "He said even myself, and he said something that's helped him was that learn to start saying no. Make yourself obedient. Make yourself be the boss. Be, be obedient to, to, to say no. Go in a convenience store. You're going to get gas, and then you look over. And you say, Oh, there's a pack of M and M's, and I'm going to grab a cold drink. He said, Real it. He said, Wouldn't hurt if you had it, but say no to that. Learn to say no. He said, Start like that, say no, and then he said, Once you start doing that, and once you start having that control again of of the desires that that is a candy bar in a, in a, in a pack of M and I mean, a pack of M and M's and a cold drink. going to hurt you, no. But it's what he was trying to get to the point was to start making yourself say no. Do this, no. And then you go away from it, and, you, and then you do it. And he said, but on the other hand, he said, Satan's going to be pulling on that string, pulling on that string, pulling on that string. But he said, once you get over that little hurdle to where you are back in control and can say no to small things, then he said, start tackling the little things. I'm, I'm kind of ad-libbing some of this, but that's basically what he was saying is is start saying no to the small things, and he said when you struggle with that that bigger sin, he said whether it's you know uh, overeating or overworking or whatever the situation may be, you know sexual desires whatever, then he said then, then he said, start saying no, to it. start saying no, to it. he said then you're going to see that you are the obedient one, you are stronger than sin itself and through Jesus. All you got to do is continue to say no. And I thought that was really interesting because if you can train yourself and make yourself. Say no to stuff that that you're going to, again, a candy bar and a cold drink not, but he said, be, a, be be the one, be strong, be obedient, be obedient, and make yourself say no. Is that's what happens to a lot of us. We don't say no. Mm-hmm. We don't say no. It's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay. Right, right. But I thought that was really interesting. And he said, say no. Mm-hmm. He said, make yourself be obedient. He said, and you'll see yourself getting stronger and stronger. You see something that's stronger cool. that's right
0: yeah say no to the legitimate players
1: you
0: know? I mean, again you know, M&M's
1: in the, well, it's not necessarily a sin right but you're but you're training yourself to yeah. to have the, the um, to be more authoritative over your, right. your decisions and again like I said he or them say it's not going to hurt you but he said then you will start doing like, that sin thing will pop up that you're struggling with maybe not real big, and you say no to it and you turn away or whatever you need to do and then you say next time then you will realize strong, I, can, I can turn away from it. a little bit bigger a little bit bigger next thing you know that sin is like re- just repulsive to you in your life. no, no.
0: So I thought that's good. The key, the key is, is self discipline That's what you're, that's what John is getting at is saying no to even legitimate pleasures at time, not all the time, right? I mean, you don't say no to food forever, you're going to die, right? Um, yeah. Sleep, you know, you, you, you know they're legitimate pleasures and they're desires that we have, again, that we keep within the fence. But his point, and you're right, that's a good point, is flex that self-discipline muscle, work it out, and even sometimes say no to legitimate pleasures just to be sure that you're the one who's in charge, right? That's what, that's what he's getting you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's a great, great way to end in our applications. Uh, all right. Let's close in prayer. And we'll sing Father, thank you for your your word. Um, we call this sanctification, this process of growing and learning to say no to sin, turning our back on it and saying yes to you. Uh, that's the other side. The negative is putting aside those sinful passions, but the positive is putting on um, the, the desires that we have because we didn't get to it, but in 2 Corinthians 5:17, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. New things have come. Our old desires are passing away. This world and its desires are passing away. But we have new desires now as your children. Peter, Peter puts it this way, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Lord. Fellowship together. Desires more and more i find myself desiring your glory being very disappointed when i sin not just because my conscience bothered me but because i know it's offense to you, and i know that it, it it when i sin it counteracts what you're trying to do in my life and and, and bring glory to yourself works against so uh, help us even this week to be aware of the deceitfulness of sin and to work to fight it, to replace it with uh, things that instill discipline, godly, Christlike
1: behavior. One me. in the packets.
0: Pray this in Jesus' a
1: Most helpful for us. <laughs> Two the brackets, uh, Second one. <clears throat>